I like how you said, I wasn't always as tall as I am now. I think, I think you should use that. I wasn't always this tall. That should be like a thing that you say. Welcome to Pod Sounds Volume 2, in which we discuss Randy Newman's album, Little Criminals. I'm Cecilia. And I'm Gil. Welcome back, everybody. Looking forward to this, uh, this album a lot. Oh, I am so excited to start it off on a high note today. But before we do that, I have several loose ends from last week that I would like to tie up. First things first, I did look up the difference between sarcastic and sardonic. Oh, there you go just so we have our, our ducks in a row. Sarcastic is kind of mocking of any kind. Sardonic is essentially a subset of sarcastic. Sardonic is mocking like a certain type of sarcasm that is particularly bitter or scornful. Mm. So I would say that most of Newman's stuff is skews toward sarcastic as opposed to sardonic um, because he's not particularly bitter toward his subjects. He's portraying them in a light that is often unpleasant and that makes the listener uncomfortable, but it doesn't seem like he's enacting a revenge fantasy on them or something. Sardonic seems more personal, I guess. And like I said, I have used them interchangeably in the past in certain circumstances anyway. I use sarcastic more often than sardonic as I think most people do. So, uh, but, but that is in case you were wondering if there was a difference between the two, that's what it is. It's pretty nominal, but it's there. There we go. Thank you very much. And But our audience is much smarter than we are, so they're probably saying, we knew this already, but that's good. Yeah, so, oh, that's a good right. point. I, so, needless to say, of course, because you guys course. are already extremely intelligent and very sexy and tall. I bet you're all <laughs> tall people. So I have been thinking because we talked last week about Newman's extensive use of dramatic monologue, was thinking about other songs I know that make use of dramatic monologue. I, and I literally woke up in the middle of the night remembering this song. I think it was because we were talking about Randy Newman that it came to me. It is a song called Jimmy Newman from John Denver's album, Take Me to Tomorrow. Yes. And it's a song from the perspective of this soldier who is waiting for his, his, I don't even know if they're friends, just the guy next to him to wake up in the morning. It becomes clear that Jimmy is not going to wake up. He has died in his sleep. And the narrator becomes increasingly hysterical as he realizes this. It's four verses. Many of the lines repeat. So there's not even that much new material it is absolutely haunting. I yes. heard this once. I don't even remember the context and never forgot it. But I knew, I exact, I knew exactly <laughs> where to look. <laughs> it, and, it's quite disturbing. So Yes, it's a Tom Paxton song, actually. A song written by Tom Paxton, um, recorded by, uh, by Denver. And you probably heard it in our car, I'm betting. Uh, just because uh, I really, I really <laughs> like that song. I really, I really like that album. So there you go. But uh, yeah, another, another example of, of Denver 
um, especially early on in this kind of folky period, um, picking really good songs to, uh, to uh, record so that he wasn't writing himself. But yes, that's a perfect example because there were a lot of there were a lot of um, songs that are clearly not meant to be the singer, right? That it's that there yeah, are yeah. different voices, right? Yes. But what's distinct about the dramatic monologue is that it's not just um, we we learn not just about the the, the voice that we hear, right? The, the I and the song, but we learn other details. We learn specific, the specific situation. We situation, learn the addressee yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, Cause like a lot of, you know, uh, Paul Simon, for instance, writes a lot mm -hmm. of songs that clearly aren't meant to be Paul Simon, but the, the, the language, the imagery is such that it's not a specific dramatic situation. Yeah, exactly. And I think a yeah. lot of artists and a lot of songwriters will do that. But like one more contemporary songwriter or song creator, she's not necessarily the sole songwriter most of the time, who has done that type of thing sort of on the edge of dramatic monologue, but not quite there, is Lily Allen. She's never blown up, like she's never gone really viral, but I think she's been very influential as a pop musician, a pop artist. And she does write a lot of songs where, like, you can tell that the narrator isn't supposed to be reliable necessarily mm -hmm. or, like, has these biases that are driving her in whatever the situation is, which is pretty distinctly portrayed. But it's not, it doesn't necessarily qualify as a dramatic monologue. Gotcha. Yeah. That, but that's, and uh, that's Paul a... Simon, famous, famously a short person. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i just want to create these characters maybe who are taller than i am that's all <laughs> <laughs> and before we get actually into the song I've, i just have to uh, read this dilbert cartoon and i don't have a date on it oh wait a minute i do have a date on it because he he writes them right uh uh be 2015 march 3rd 2015 so here we go i believe it's the hr guy the the bald uh dome-headed oh, yeah. guy right and so he's standing or he's sitting at a, at a desk opposite the boss he's got uh dilbert on his right and uh alice on his left and uh he starts off with studies show that tall people earn more than shorter people so instead of doing performance reviews this year we'll just measure your height and pay accordingly then the final uh in the final block um he uh, is pointing to Alice and said, and of course, Alice will earn 10% less than the men. I think that's a law. So uh, there we go. A little Dilbert about uh, height and uh, height preference. So we're preferences. Height preference heights. and gender disparity. Awesome. There you go. All right. So. Um, tallest woman in the world was just announced. She, uh, yes, she lives in Turkey. She's Turkish and she's seven feet, 0.7 inches tall. So just over seven feet tall. Um, wow. A Turkish woman. So she's 24. So there you go. And she was confirmed this week as the world's tallest living female by Guinness World Records. Does uh, she was, live uh, in Constantinople? I'm not going there. I'm guessing All right. not. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Um, 
I saw on Twitter posted from Urban Dictionary, which as I have mentioned, I page through from time to time just to make sure I'm up on what the young kids are saying because I want to stay hip and hep and or hep when it applies, throw short people month. During the month of October, you may throw any short person, five, six or under, as far as you want, whenever you want, have fun. Wow. That seems that seems a uh, could could possibly lead to criminal charges of assault. Could yeah, absolutely. As as someone, by the way, who happens to be five six. So uh... yes, and I am I am five four, which is not. I mean, speaking of gender disparity, I'm on the shorter side. But as women go, I am not short. Short. I'm not right. especially short. I'm not singled out for my shortness. Right. But as we've noted. Uh, in discussions of, among other people, Davy Jones, double standards abound. <laughs> Sometimes, if you're a guy, you're so short that the show you're on turns it into a bit. Whereas with me, nobody would think twice. Well, unless you anyway, were standing next to a bunch of seven feet tall women. Un- unless that's true, yes. That, then you'd then it would be that then it would be. A in bit. which case, we we could turn it into a bit. Yes, right. I unless am standing the, up. Yeah. So all right. I say, let's get to the song. (laughs) Yes. All right. So Short People, track one uh, of uh, side one of Little Criminals, 1977. Here's the September 23rd. And here's the info on the back of the album. Short People, guitars, Wadi Wachtel, bass, Klaus Vorman, drums, Jim Keltner. I was going to ask you, do you know who played bass on this track? Klaus Vorman. Yes. Klaus Vorman. Yeah. Drums, Jim Keltner, you just, you congas. Listed it. I was going to do it as a reveal, but it's fine. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, uh, but th- for listeners who don't know, Klaus Vorman was one of the original inner, inner members of the Beatles' inner circle. They met him in Hamburg, kind of an artistic jack of all trades, helped to design the album cover of Revolver. He did just a whole bunch of stuff with them and then just remained a sort of mystical everyman in the industry. And he was obviously used all over the place, popped up all over the place. So for me to see his name in connection with this album just kind of confirms my suspicions isn't the right word, but my beliefs about how good this album is. Congas, Milt Holland. And then uh, should I, should we just wait for the background vocals or should I oh, yeah, mention yeah, them now? Yeah, yeah, let's wait. I'm so happy. <laughs> I've just been told I have no reason to live and I'm so happy. But see, but the, but the, there's given given the uh the bounciness of the music and I'll let you talk more about uh what he's doing perhaps there in the music, but um short people got no reason, short people got no reason, short people got no reason and there's no reason if you pardon the pun to expect anything but 
to feel, um, you know, to feel inferior, to, you know, you're thinking something positive is coming. Whatever you expect, it's not it's what not it is. To yeah, right. It's not to live, right? I, yeah. it's, it's, that's not what you're expecting. But that's the that's the the genius of this because you're bouncing along, right? You know, um, first time you hear it, you you kind of because uh, it's a catchy tune. And the thing that's you know, and maybe this is most appear apparent in all of his uh, um, soundtrack stuff, especially the Pixar stuff. His ability to write a uh, write a melody and write a catchy melody is remarkable. Oh, incredible. Um, and yeah. and that's what that's what helps make this song work because yeah. the music and what he's saying are so at odds. And I should also note that I, you asked me last episode why I chose Little Criminals. And one big reason is this song and because of the cultural saturation that it has received. That if people are going to know any of Newman's solo work, it is going to be this song and then by extension, the album that it's on. Yeah, and this song is usually, you know, oh yeah, the short person, you know, short people guy, right? And it's, it's yeah. if, if it's known, it's a dismissive, oh yeah, that guy. Um, it's not a, oh yeah, um, short people. So, uh, so that's yeah, why not, I'm, it's I'm on board for this thing. On it. Yes. This song has 45,000 views on Genius. When you kind of look at the, the tracks on an album, it'll list the number of views on each okay. track. All right. All of the other tracks have no number beside them. Meaning that either they haven't been viewed at all, or I think what's more likely is that they've just been viewed such a small number of times that they're unlisted. Gotcha. Okay. So this, this is the song. This is the one. And I will also note, when you type in short people into Genius, do you know what comes up first? I do not. Or at least what came up first for me. When you, when you type in just the phrase short people, there's usually a song that will come up first that includes that phrase in it. Okay. And then there will be like any number of songs that are entitled that. And this is, I think, the only, the only song that's an original song that like sometimes covers will pop up. But this is the song that's called Short People. But the first, the first track that's listed is David Bowie's Five Years. Because of the line, all the fat skinny people and all the tall short people and all the nobody people and all the somebody people. Interesting. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And because that song is much more viewed on Genius <laughs> than short people itself. And of course, you know, one of, and, and I've been listening to Ziggy Stardust actually a fair amount over the past week, just because I've wanted to. And I mean, that song, one of the most beautiful and heartrending pieces of poetry I've ever heard. And he says, I never thought I'd need so many people. So he needs, Ziggy needs the short people. <laughs> so do we. You, Mr. Newman, have been disproven. <laughs> Once again, it's not Randy. I know. It's yeah. a, I know. But uh, so, yeah. um, 
Yeah. So it's uh, can you can you say something uh, about the uh, about the the music about, about the, the music? Yes. Oh yeah. Well, you got. I mean, first of all, the horns and the congas are those real horns, or is that a um, synthesizer? I think it's a synthesizer because it's okay. uh, in the because later um, on it certain and it will become much clearer. But later on, it absolutely sounds like a synthesizer. These things that appear to be horn sounds. But right, these it, these ones sound kind of real. Yeah, and real quickly, keyboards, uh, Randy Newman, synthesizers programmed by Mike Bo- uh, uh, uh Sorry, yes, yeah, Bodicker. Small type. Okay. Anyway, so there we go. Okay. But actually, also, while we're just talking personnel, let me note that the track was produced by Russ Teitelman and Lenny Waronker. Yep. I know that name. He, like, I can't think where I know him from, but Lenny Waronker has been around. And, and he and, and uh, Randy Newman grew up together. They were childhood oh, really? friends. Yes. And uh, uh, Lenny got uh, um, Randy Newman his first job um, at a music, uh, at a, in, a, in, a, in the music business. And then he um, brought him to reprise later on, too. Um, uh, Lenny, Lenny Waronker knew how good Newman was and sort of, you know, kind of pushed him kind of, uh, and made him, you know, cause, cause, uh, as we talked last week, um, Newman was trained musically very early on, you know, and he took all the classes and that sort of thing. Uh, he went to, uh, USC, um, oh. but it was, uh, it was Waronker who, kind of kept you know kept pushing him and and saying you should write songs you should do this you should do that and uh and uh newman did okay wow i had no idea that he figured so prominently in his career yep and uh, russ Teitelman is uh was a a well-known producer at the time okay perhaps still is all right so we've got some we've got some storied figures involved here yes storied players uh, but the music, yes. Yes. So you've got these, and Newman does this all the time, these sort of open, hollow-sounding chords where the third in the chord is the one that's doing the moving around and usually kind of the descending by half steps. So that's what makes the chord sound complete because the third of any chord is the note that completes the chord. If it's me like if it's if the chord is do mi sol and it's me like regular me that's a major chord if it's flattened half a step it turns into a minor chord so if you have only the root and the fifth you cannot yet tell what kind of chord it is gotcha and so newman is doing this like this octave thing with like the finger and the thumb on the keyboard if you're looking at it on the piano and then the third is the note that's sort of deciding what kind of chord it is. And it's moving around, it's going up, and then it's going down by half step, and then it's going down another half step so that you're not just hearing the octave. If it, if it were just the octave, then it would be the same octave. We're in A major. So it's only going to be the same octave the whole time. But the third is what is changing the chord and then also the bass note, which he's doing with his left hand. So right. it sounds... Like, that's kind of where you get the sense of what the melody is going to be like, even though you don't know yet what the melody is. 
it just sounds fun and it sounds bouncy like we like we've said and cool and and something that you want to keep listening to even though with the very first line we discover that perhaps as listeners we're a little in over our heads you might say <laughs> pause for a moment here we go with the back to russ Teitelman. Um, he's still alive, an American record producer and songwriter, has to date won three Grammy Awards, but he's worked with Newman. He worked with uh, with Newman on Sail Away, Good Old Boys, Little Criminals, Born Again, and Trouble in Paradise. He worked with Ry Cooter, James Taylor, George Harrison, Ricky Lee Jones, Steve Winwood, Shaka Khan, Eric Clapton, Meatloaf, and Cyndi Lauper. And in 1988, he worked with Brian Wilson on Brian Wilson. So there we really? go. Really? Yes. I bet that was better than Kokomo. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Um, yeah. So this the song it 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 pulls you in as he so often does this uh, Randy Newman, and then um, blindsides you with uh, um, with that final that final line of that first verse. Or of the chorus. Yeah, or just the final, um, the final two words of yes, the first line. Right. Yes. Um, no reason. And, no reason what. No reason to reason, live. Right. <laughs> um, and then he then he continues, and so let's go to the next part. Yes. Portions of the person he's describing are very funny. <laughs> little hands, little eyes, um, little noses, the, little the teeth. Physical, the physical proportions, little hands, little eyes, juxtaposed against they walk around telling great big lies. That's brilliant. I really, yes. really like that. <laughs> and I mean, and this is the anatomy of prejudice. Right, you yeah. start with uh, with with sort of physical features, and then you build a character around those features to yeah. You ascribe morality add, to them, right? And and uh, and uh, um, so that you can hate them, if not more, at least you you justify your hatred. You can justify it's not your just, hatred. Yeah, it's not just oh yeah, um, he's short. No, he's short and he law He's a liar. Um, mm -hmm. He's a short person, but a big liar. Um, and we'll see more of that as the song progresses. But that's that's what's going on here, right? It's a, the yeah. anatomy of prejudice. And and he has said, he, you know, he said when you know when it when the whole thing kind of blew up in his face, um, game a hit, but also the bane of his existence, is he said, I wrote it not thinking that this was a real thing, right? I, I kind of didn't think anybody actually um ascribed to these to such beliefs um and that's why and that I was his mistake it. right exactly don't ever yeah. assume that nobody does something <laughs> never assume over the yeah. course of the past year and a half some people will believe anything <laughs> right and and you can and you can find someone who hates something else um passionately, passionately. For, yeah yeah um so there we go but anyway that's 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 what's going on so uh 
I'll insert my notes here from Genius. The opening track from Newman's fifth album, Little Criminals, this song is a satirical polemic against short people, the controversial words of which inspired both vitriol and acclaim, propelling the song to number two on the Billboard charts in 1978 and its parent album to gold status, his only to accomplish this. Like Money for Nothing by Dire Straits several years later, the song is intentionally sung from the point of view of an ignorant person and includes crass, insensitive comments that such a person would think and say. And then this is a quote, presumably from Newman, it doesn't say. Because it was a hit, the song reached people who aren't looking for irony. And then that irony was certainly lost on one politician in 1978, where a bill was introduced in the Maryland state legislature to make it illegal to play short people on the radio. <laughs> what did he think? We, of course, talked about censorship in the last season. But what did he think was going to happen? Well, I think part of that was I think he wanted to punish Newman for Baltimore, another track on this uh, on this album. Oh, OK. Interesting. So I yeah, think uh, I hadn't I think, made you know, that connection. Yeah. So I think that's that was uh, that was p what was going on there. So uh, but there you go. Yeah. Um, and, and he talks about the bridge, so I won't uh, get into that yet. But then it says. Newman used a similar tactic in some of his other controversial songs, like addressing racism in Rednecks from Good Old Boys and homophobia in Half a Man, which is a yes. song I do not know. That's from uh, um, the one with the, that's from Born Again. Oh, okay. Yes. So, but um, yeah, where was I going? What was this? Uh, yeah, no, but that's, uh, that's, 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 uh, oh, I know, um, Newman has commented that the problem, right, the problem with irony, the problem with uh, sort of doing this sort of thing is that it doesn't play well on the radio, right? No one wants yeah. to hear the king of irony on, uh, on, on the radio. And so it's, uh, it's difficult, right? And, but this is where um, last week, I think you asked, you know, he's hanging around all these people who, you know, all these all these uh, songwriters and singers who have huge hits. Um, he clearly didn't want to do that. He clearly could do that. Uh, but he chose for whatever reason. Right. And, and you assume artistic, you know, artistic reasons that I'm not going in that route. I'm, I'm going to do this. Um, more literary uh, creation. I'm going to create these characters and let them kind of expose their their faults, expose their foibles, expose their prejudices, and uh, and there you go. Um, but I think he wasn't interested in being a singer songwriter in that uh, in that early '70s singer songwriter mold. Right. Um, he didn't want to be a protest singer uh, in the in the sense of um, you know, Dylan and a guitar uh, and that sort of thing. He didn't want to do that. He so he wanted to make statements. He you know um, he cares about what he does, um, but he's not so worried about becoming a, a a pop star. Last week we you know we talked about there's a party at my house tonight, and that's a perfect example from a later album. But uh, it could have been a hit until he uh, decided to go in a very dark direction. Um, in the middle of the song, which uh, is which makes the song a heck of a lot more interesting than just another "Hey, rock and roll party uh, at my house" song. So.
So yeah, there you go. So if you're a reprise suit at this point in this song, what are you saying? What are you thinking? <laughs> I'm thinking we're going to, you know, we're going to get in trouble, right? We're going to have a hard time. On the one hand, I love the, I love the, I love the bounce. I love the, I love the tune. Um, I, you know, short people are going to be upset and, uh, and you're, you know, we're going to be in trouble. Right. And sure enough, you know, they were, you know, burning, uh, burning albums and uh, throwing things and all that sort of thing. So people just want an um, excuse to burn stuff. <laughs> That's exactly what more popular than Jesus did, too. There you go. All right. Next section. That pew, pew, the guitar. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, so it's the, um, you know, we've got this, uh, um, I guess it's is it is it a verse? Is it the uh, is it the chorus? Because it this is, is the, what chorus, I call the chorus. But uh, you know, chorus changes every time, right? Or almost every time, because we had short people no. got no reason. No, no, that was the first. We we've had the first verse, and now this is the first chorus, and then we have the bridge, and then we have the second verse and the second and final chorus. There you go. I think All that's right. that's how I would structure this song. You are correct. So yeah, so this is the chorus, and you also know it's the chorus because the backup singers come in. <laughs> Good point. Or that's, I mean, it's uh, more attention is drawn to it, which makes it more likely to be thought of as the chorus, I guess. Right. And this is the type of thing that, that um, Newman does so well too, that he invites the listener in right his choruses are very very catchy yeah. and um and that can be dangerous um for the listener because you can get sucked into um joining in and i think that's very intentional on newman's part he wants you singing along yeah because i um and he does this um he did this to great effect on the album before this 74's um good, good old, old boys. boys where the most uh the the song that you had already mentioned rednecks has a very catchy chorus yeah it does a, a chorus that you don't want to be caught singing along with um unless you are in fact racist um but it's really hard not to join in and well it's, it's, it's not even a chorus that you want to sing along with because you don't want to think of yourself as that type of person exactly no but but he you, he, you don't want to he, be caught even by yourself let alone yes. by anyone else right oh no very true very true but but it's hard not to sing along because it's such a great such a great melody um but anyway um yes and that's but what human does right he wants he wants to uh um, turn the uh, his his satire right or his and is is really about turning that mirror on all of us right yeah. him included right he, he you know I, I yeah, don't think he's a, he's definitely not a, a holier than thou guy um, and he wants us to see that 
uh, but he does it not by scolding us, not by lecturing us, but by um, by letting us perform that prejudice too. Yeah, yeah, he's not preaching. Uh, right, right. Um, but that's the that's that's the thing, right? And so if you don't get that. Um, if you're, ex you know, and so you, if, you're in a, if you're expecting a singer songwriter to bear his soul and who he is, and you listen to a song like this, you say, well, that guy's prejudiced. That guy's an awful person. That guy is, uh, um, is mean and, uh, you're missing the point. But so the backup singers are saying, don't want no short people around here. Shall we hear the backup singers speak for themselves? Was that Glenn Fry and Jamie Souther, whom I just heard? And Tim Schmidt. Tim Schmidt, okay. He's another of the Eagles. Okay, cool. Didn't know his name. Knew both of them and the Dons. Right. Dons. But... Two Dons in one band. Can you imagine? <laughs> Whew. Crowded. But neither of them are here. Um, neither of them but is yes. here. Glenn Fry, Glenn Fry, J.D. Souther, and Tim Schmidt. And real quickly, Glenn Fry gets a shout out um, on the album cover. Special thanks to Glenn Fry for his help. So, oh, really? Um, and, and we'll see him uh, uh, a couple more times on the album as well. Yes. So, but anyway, so here we have the uh, the the backup singers. Short people are just the same as you and I. A fool such as I, all men are brothers until the day they die. It's a wonderful world. Um, so it's this so conversation. The, it's this dialogue. Yes. It's a back and forth. Right. On the one hand, right, here you have the assertion of, hey, this prejudice is wrong, right? That we're all brothers. We're all the same, right? There's, you know, kind of that, that we're all, we're all one. Yeah. It's um, devil's advocate. Yes. Um, but at the same time, that's undercut by the uh, by Randy Newman um, saying a fool such as I and uh, it's a wonderful world, which are both song titles. Um, oh, a fool such uh, as I. Yes. Now and then there's a fool such as I from 1952 written by Bill Trader. Uh, Hank Snow had a hit with it. Um, I think Elvis uh, Presley had a hit with it as well. And then What a Wonderful World. That was from 52. And then yeah. What a Wonderful World, Louis Armstrong, 1967. Yeah. And what I And then there was also Sam Cooke's What a Wonderful World. Oh, right. Yes. From 1964 or 63, something. Okay, right. Okay. So, um, but I think, and so I, what I think is happening here is... Um, yeah, you have that that uh, that counter to the prejudice, but mm -hmm. I think that the way it comes across and the way I read Newman, kind of Newman's point here, is that that's all very facile. 
that's too easy uh, mm. to say, oh, we're all brothers. Oh, we're all the same. Um, they're just like you and I. Um, and I think that that he's he's kind of making the point. Prejudice isn't isn't right by any stretch of the imagination, but solving the problem isn't as easy as, oh, let's just recognize that we're all brothers, that that's okay. a way too simple, uh, simple, argue, simple statement. And that's not going to solve anything. So he's saying they're oversimplifying. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And, and he's not, you know, yes, we're all, you know, kind of, we're all the same, but, but we're not insofar as that there are these differences and there's that um, way people think that's bad. Right. And, and if we're going to get yeah, rid people of. People have this desire to exploit those differences. And exclude. Right. And so, uh, yeah. and, and that takes, that takes a lot of effort to change that mindset and to simplify and to simply say um, short people are just the same as you and I, and all men are brothers until the day they die. Yeah. Um, We're not going to get rid if, of that mindset by, right, or counteract right. that mindset exactly. by saying those things. Exactly. Okay. Um, and, uh, and he throws in a couple song titles and we're going to see that sort of thing happen uh, at other points of the album too. Yeah. He loves and making actually, reference to musical history. Yeah. And I'll also mention that then like the music itself, the personality of the music changes for this bridge as well. And it becomes very lush, you know, it, it turns it turns into an Eagles song. It <laughs> turns into something that you can recognize as these other guys whose own catalog has been centered around that kind of feel good, idealized, romanticized version of life. Even like, even when they're singing a song like Take It Easy about trouble, about right. having troubles, having worries. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds easy and fun. Right. Yep. And they're saying, take it easy. Yeah, so this kind of, kind of lush, relaxed, floating along arrangement, which reflects the viewpoints that they are expressing in their words. Right. And Newman does. He's very good at um employing other voices to yeah. do things that perhaps he as a singer cannot do mm -hmm. um i think yeah, he's very he's, you know you he's, might say the lin-manuel miranda of his time oh there you go there you go the the performing or you know the the singing or vocal perhaps weak link if you want to call it that in this elaborate operation of which he is still the mastermind. He knows the stuff better than anyone else, but he employs other people who are trained and or just more traditionally talented in those regards, more conventionally gifted in those regards to, yeah. to, carry, to carry out his bidding. Very good point. And he, yeah, he creates it and he finds people to, uh, to um, make, help make it happen. Um, so uh, I mentioned Lynn and you didn't object guys I didn't. this is a big deal for me this is a historic <laughs> moment oh uh, there you go all right um, um, but then your reference to musical history because then we go and this is why I call that the bridge which then goes into verse two what I would call verse two because right. it's the return to the main idea the main theme where Newman says short people got nobody to love and i have told you before and maybe this is just like canon in my head 
But I think that this is a response to Queen's Somebody to Love, which was released the year before. Wow, interesting. Short people got nobody to love. Nobody's, right. And everyone uh, would have been singing somebody to love at this point in time. Right. right. Arguably, everyone has not stopped singing somebody to love since then. And I really wish they would. <laughs> <laughs> not because I think it's a bad song. In fact, because I think it's a good song and I want to like it. And I can't like it if I hear it in every movie where there's, I don't know, karaoke. I, I just or can't. Love. All right. <laughs> or okay. Love. Yeah. Please so, stop. Okay. <laughs> All right. So then that, yeah. So that makes that whole, uh, whole thing, uh, even tighter. Um, that, uh, that transition there. So I like yeah. that a lot. And then, I mean, it was sort of cut off in the transition to the next line, but the, the guitar walking it down, boom, 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 at the end of that line. <laughs> Fantastic. Just the, the orchestrational and the arrangement and the production choices. Really spot on, guys. That's Newman. All right. Um, next section. I don't even see how anyone could be offended at this point. Little baby legs. <laughs> they stand what? so low you it's got to pick funny. them up just to say hello right although and... i will say that that i mean i have i i don't know that i've witnessed this personally but i know that people who are considered very short have their personal space violated in frequent and just bizarre ways yes like that and, and <laughs> like people and... thinking they could just pick them up they're just entitled right. to pick them up because of the height difference. Right, right. That's true. Uh, but that existed beforehand. And, um, you know, this song is just, is distinct from that, I guess. It's, you know, kind of that's, it's kind of a separate thing. Sure, right? yeah. So you can't, you can't say, oh, well, see, people are doing that because of this song or something like that. But, uh, but yeah. His, oh, no. The, the miss, no, yeah, that's, the miss, that's not his miss, as we said, the miscalculation was that he didn't he didn't think anybody would really be offended um yeah. and that yeah, would take it that seriously. was a that was a that was a, a miscalculation and i think you know given what we were saying about um dramatic monologues one could argue the weakness of this is the um is the fact that it is there's no context to it right we're not given sure. we're not given a specific situation we're not you know we have this we have this guy who's prejudiced against short people but we don't why is he saying this what's the and and his best songs have a you know a very specific situation um and we we come to understand the character in a way that I don't think we do here, right? Yeah, that's so, fair. And like, which and, songs and, are you thinking of when you say that? Um, well, we're gonna see like you sail can't away? Fool the fat man. We're sail away. We're um, even things like on this album. Forget about you know Kathleen, Jolly Coppers okay, on yeah. Parade, uh, Little Criminals, probably the best one. Um, mm. But it's you know it's that it's a speaker. 
someone being spoken to in a very specific context. And I think if we had those things here, um, one, it probably it may not have become as big a hit. <laughs> um, yeah. But two, it it would have been a um, an it would be it would have been more easily understood the way yeah. he meant it to be. There would have been less room for misinterpretation. Right. Because um, here it's more a song, kind of. Oh, here's this guy who hates short people. Um, and well, who is this guy? Right? What do I, you know, what, what do, do I know who Randy Newman is? No. Um, and uh, and so he's just uh, he's just a mean guy, and he happens to be tall. If you find, you know, if you look up personal information about him. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Although you probably could have inferred that. Yeah, Chances I mean, but are, what I'm saying is, what, is what not, I'm saying is, the singer, the, the singer, is not a, a short person singing about their own kind, if you will. Well, but if you're writing, I mean, if you're trying to think of just something that people don't have a, a, a natural prejudice of, or, or not a uh, not a common, not one of the prejudices one that immediately comes to mind. Yeah, I think short or even tall people, whatever you know, kind of height tends not to be one of those things yeah right but, you know i mean so um but i think the song the weakness of the song if you will is miss is that that context that specific situation i think that would have nailed it down a lot more um but yeah the baby legs the the little and 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 then it goes when it when you get to the um, little cars that go beep, beep, beep. Yeah. Um, little voices go. They all peep, drive Fiat's. <laughs> yes, you know. Then it becomes. No, silly, they drive golf carts. Right. Um, but then, right. So you're kind of laughing at that. But then you get the grubby little fingers, dirty little minds. They're going to get you every time. And it's yeah. that uh, paranoia that. Um, and once again, we had just mentioned this before, ascribing these uh, immoral acts, these uh, these um, sort of a, a deviousness to these people um, as a way of justifying how you feel about them. Um, so it's it's an anatomy of prejudice. Yeah, the moral component. Yep. Which, speaking of that line, should we listen to that clip now? It's the last clip. I love the guitar. Um, But yeah, yeah, so that the the moral or the 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 assumptions of character, the character components that then accompany the physical descriptions, or more 
more accurately, physical distortions. There are then these these distortions of character. Correct. And Correct. paranoia that accompanies it. And I hadn't thought of it that way, paranoia. But you're right. They're going to get you every time. They're dirty little minds. They're uh, big lies, etc. So uh, this is um, 1977. I thought we were over paranoia. <laughs> that was so 1974. Watergate, baby. Paranoia strikes deep in the heartland. Paranoia strikes deep into but your light. It will creep. It no. starts when you're always afraid. Step out of line. The man come and take you away. Now I'm thinking about Buffalo Springfield. Oh, see, see, but see, I was thinking paranoia strikes deep in the heartland, but I think it's all overdone. Exaggerating this, exaggerating that. They don't have no fun. Have a good time. Paul Simon, uh, still crazy after all these years. Oh, he's still writing about paranoia at that point? He had the paranoia <laughs> blues a few years prior. Sorry, no, I just apparently, whenever anything adjacent to Stephen Stills happens, I start thinking about that. <laughs> Fair enough. See, lots of good paranoia songs. Yeah. But anyway. At that time, I'm saying like the, right. the late 60s yes. and early 70s were all about paranoia. Cool. So well, it's and funny even even then... even later in the even later in the seventies because of yeah. Watergate, et cetera. But here, of sure. course, now yeah. let's let's give let's give Newman some credit as a lyricist here, right? We don't get words like paranoia, right? No, yeah, which is exactly uh, gonna... why I wasn't thinking of it right. consciously yes. in that right. way. Right. They get you they're gonna get you every time. They tell you lies, et cetera. They you know, so yeah. um the the it's 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 tightly written. Um, I just needed something to give it, uh, give it some, some context, you know, who, who, to whom is he saying this, right? Yeah. That's I mean, a very, why? what would, what would, criticism. what would, yeah. What would spark somebody to say this? Yeah. Um, so there we go. It is an issue. Probably just, nothing would like, I'm thinking just like some old guy at a bar. Okay, but then give me, give me whatever, and he's on this rant, and just no one's stopping him. (laughs) All right, yeah. Well, so, but give me that, you know, and when you get stuff like that, right? Like, there's a great song from uh, from Trouble in Paradise called Mikey, um, where it's just that. It's a a guy at a bar. Well, actually, he comes into the bar looking for. Oh, it's Mikey's. You're right. Sorry, Mikey's. Yes, and that's like the possessive because it's the name of the bar. It's the name of the bar, and this guy comes in looking for his uh, looking for his woman, um, with with whom he had had a, an argument, mm-hmm. and he comes in and he starts talking about the music that's playing and have you seen her yeah. and and then he goes on to this in this racist uh, racist rant, yeah. but that's a that that's a that's a, a tighter song because we we see all of those other things. Um, yeah. and he's dismissive to the waitress and all this other stuff. So, but that's, right. you know, so. Or even rednecks. Yeah. Because it's the right. response to having seen Georgia governor. Was it Lester Maddox? Yes. No, uh, Senator. Senator. Yeah. Um, yeah. On, on this New York talk show and, and this Northern right. crowd mocking him. Right. Or, you know, feeling that they were superior to him. And that's the whole setting that's the context for the main that's the intro of the song in a sort of typical tin pan alley fashion and then the main idea of the song that's the structure that then supports the main idea of the song 
Yep. So. Yeah. And then there's that fade out. It's kind of interesting that nothing else happens musically. But then it wasn't intended to be a hit. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, it kind of fades out for a long time and nothing else happens. Which I find right. interesting for Newman. Because it's not like he couldn't get something else interesting to happen if he really wanted to. Right. And you think it's because this guy, you know, our speaker, is kind of this dolt, right, who hasn't got more, right? I mean, that, uh, you know, there's really nothing, nothing, nothing more to say, if you will. And, yeah. and neither lyrically nor musically. Nor musically. Yeah, that could be. It's a thought. Maybe it's just taking him a while to like fold himself up out of his chair and walk away because he's so tall. <laughs> Gotta like kind of get up, gotta like step over all these other chairs, duck under the doorway as he leaves. He's a tall guy. He's yeah. he's he's and like one of those those like inflatable men outside car dealerships, like just <laughs> blowing in the wind. With his arms, and in uh, in very Randy Newman esque fashion, it's uh, the song comes in under uh, three minutes, two fifty four. But what's interesting, real quickly, on a, on a completely different note. So mm. on the album, on the on the LP, on the back are the lyrics. Now, what's interesting, and I, I don't think I've ever seen this anywhere else. The uh, um, the songs are listed, the lyrics are printed out, but they're not in the order that they are on the album. And at first, oh, the songs I thought, are not in order. Yes, they're not in order. And at first I thought, oh, well, they did it to make sure that, you know, kind of that it just fit better on the back. Right. And, and, uh, and I was thinking, well, maybe they didn't have to separate any of the lyrics, you know, from bottom of column one to top of column two, but that's not mm -hmm. true. Um, so you get songs still split in half, um, and things like that on, on the way they're printed. And it's like, well, why would you do that? Well, if you're going to do that, why don't you just do them in order? And I'm, I'm wondering if the order was changed at the last minute because of short people's success. Mm. Um, I don't, I have no, I have no way of knowing it, but, and I'm not sure that the order of this of what's on the back of the album would work anyway here it starts with baltimore then i'll be home and then in germany before the war jolly coppers on parade kathleen little criminals old man on the farm riders in the rain short people sigmund freud's impersonation of albert einstein in america texas girl at the funeral of her father and then you can't fool the fat man so in short i have no idea but last week when you said, uh, okay, and then we're going to talk about the first uh, song on the, uh, on the album. And I, was, I had the album in my hand. It was like, well, wait a minute. I thought it was uh, Short People, but here it's Baltimore. And so I was uh, discombobulated for a moment because oh, I had okay. forgotten that they weren't in, the, weren't in the right order. But I don't understand mm -hmm. what, what, why they did what they did. So all yeah. of that is just a long way of saying I'm confused by the uh, back of the uh, LP he doesn't want to be easily figured out in any yeah. capacity. It could be. It could be just that simple, right? That um, I'm just, He said, I'm, life is chaos. 
so will be this album sleeve. <laughs> now, well, do I think you think I... that record stores intentionally then put this album on the highest shelf? <laughs> I think if they had a cruel sense of humor, the ones that had a cruel sense of humor did. Uh, to uh, well, there you go. So the real question is, do you if you if you're offended by this song or even by Baltimore, do you buy yeah. the album to destroy it? Do you buy the album to protest? Yeah, that's that doesn't make that's any sense. That's the irony of it, or that's the that's the paradox of it. You're supporting the person in a more meaningful way, like to buy the album just so you can burn it, just to <laughs> just to protest. Right. I, yeah, I don't know. And how do people protest songs now? Right. You know, because, oh, you know, I'm, you know, what do you do with a downloaded song that you don't like? You can't burn it. You can't uh, destroy it. You can't throw it out. Well, what could, do you do? You could just stop streaming that artist. Oh, okay. Because you like you could delete the song from your like if Spotify, for example, you could delete the song from your library and then just <laughs> never listen to it again. Yeah, but you know that, that that sounds really what? It's more. It's not quite so dramatic. That, but it's the same not, thing not, as like people can't slam phones down anymore to hang up. They just got to yeah. swipe their finger. See, that's right. Yeah, it's just not the same. It's not the same. But before you get all nostalgic, remember <laughs> that tweet about how you know we used to treat bananas as like the fake phone. We would hold the bananas up to our ears. Oh, right. It was hilarious. Yeah. But phones yeah. are no longer shaped that way. We need a new food to substitute for the fake phone. May I propose the ice cream sandwich? <laughs> and you being a possibly world-renowned fan of ice cream sandwiches must have been in support of that. <laughs> I was. I was. Yeah, I tell this joke in, in, uh, in class that um, I'm starting to wonder if it, if it works anymore, even though I keep getting laughs. So here you go. Um, and needless to say, I didn't come up with this joke for yeah. those people who, yeah. uh, who are listening, but anyway, so, uh, this, uh, guy goes to the emergency room with a uh, second degree burns on both of his ears and, uh, the, uh, ER, ER doctor, she looks at him and examines him and she says, well, I, I must admit, I've never seen someone come in with second degree burns on both their ears and burns nowhere else. How did it happen? He said, oh, it's kind of a silly thing. I kind of, kind of embarrassed to say, but I was ironing and uh, the phone rang and I accidentally sort of mindlessly put the, uh, put the iron up to my ear. Ah. She, says, she says, okay, well, that's one ear. What about the other? The guy says, well, he called back. <laughs> so, I mean, does that, uh, you know, I mean, is there going to come a time when that doesn't make sense? You know, I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, guess, I think that I guess the you still pick up has... phones when the iron is the problem. Okay, <laughs> not the phone. Well, I'm like, the iron has fallen out of fashion, but people still know what it is. Right. But I was thinking more of the phone. Do we, you know, kind of, do phones ring the way they used to? And do we just mindlessly put things up to our ears? I don't know. Um, well, on that, I mean, people don't answer phones a lot of the time. If no, someone right. calls. So, Yes. And also, you know, if you like, for instance, if you were ironing and someone called your iPhone, which is like, let's say on the table next to you, you would just like swipe it and put it on speaker. 
So there'd ah. be no need for you to put to, for you to think to put the phone up to your ear and therefore to put anything else up to your ear in place of what you thought was your phone. Gotcha. All right. I so think that we've problem drifted. would still be avoided, but also to the man for ironing. <laughs> How to iron a lot of those people were not men. That's true. That's true. But you wouldn't believe a woman doing that just because uh, she would never be so stupid as to do it That's twice. True. Yeah. She See, would, so there she you would go. know. Yeah. Probably. See, yeah. Yeah. See. But hey, the ER doctor is a woman. There you go. So she, the, hey. the, the women did well for themselves in this joke. The men and the women did well for themselves in this joke. <laughs> Good job to both of you. <laughs> okay. I, we've drifted from our topic. So. That's the point. Any last last thoughts? Any last thoughts about the song? It seems ridiculous to me at this point in time in in my station in life in the era that I live in that anyone would ever have taken it seriously. But on the other hand, I am surprised by the things that people take seriously every day in my own life. So maybe I shouldn't be all that surprised. Okay. Yes. Let me ask this. Um... Could he get this released now? Could he get this released now? That's an excellent question. If, if Would he, he if be he, canceled if, for this song if it were released today? Hmm. And I, 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 I just can't imagine it would be. It could make it out that it could yeah. get released. He could, he could record it. He could, you know put it on the album or whatever, or try and put it on the album. But I would tend to think, um, I mean, he probably could, but mm-hmm. if he were, um, you know, if he were as, as, and he wasn't a young man by this point anyway, uh, uh, but well, if, he was still pretty he, young. Not, yes, not I mean, the youngest, no, right. But, I mean, yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't in his, he wasn't in his twenties. Um, right. but, uh, but if he were a young artist and, you know, a, a you know, not necessarily well-known artist. I think it would be a really hard uh, uh, road to hoe. Let's put it that way. Sure. Um, for him to release this, and it would not, it would not turn out well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it wouldn't turn out any better than it did at the time. And and if much not worse. worse. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, now, I for the people who already knew and liked Newman's work prior to this becoming a hit. Do you think they still, presumably they would expect something like this from him? Yes. Or they wouldn't be right. surprised by it? Do you think that despite there being no context or, or less context than in some other songs, do you think those people still got it? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Newman, Newman fans, Newman fans wouldn't have had any, any trouble with this. This, um, you know, this is, you know, this is tame compared to, what he does on uh, on good old boys, uh, even yeah. what he does on uh, Sail Away, um, that whole album, right? Uh, mm-hmm. This is this is, you know, sort of a little jaunty, you know, poppy thing. Yeah, um, yeah Newman fans wouldn't have batted an eye at this. Sure, but this oh, is that's, where he, that's what he should have gotten Art Garfunkel to sing this one. <laughs> <laughs> just like he sang old man yes but uh um, I famously missed the point 
I yeah I I or even if he knew what he was doing the way he did it suggests that he that um yeah no, no one else was gonna get it let's put it that way yeah um so guys go listen to old man it's really good yeah um, beautiful it's beautiful it's a beautiful, beautiful it's, a, it's a it's a it's a yeah it's a it's an awful song uh, yeah. and what's going on but the way Art Garfunkel records it is it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, but but he, yeah, even gotta, Newman's recording on sale oh, yes. mm -hmm. is also beautiful. Yes, I agree. This is the first Randy Newman song that you heard. Correct. Correct. Uh, that, that I uh, first Randy Newman song that I heard that I could uh, could then place with a man a singer named Randy Newman. Yes. Yes, and what did you think, or how did you it. react? I, I thought it was very funny, and and as I as I think I said last week, um, I you know I wasn't always as tall as I am now, um, so when I heard it, I you know I I was short and um, and I I just thought it was a funny funny song, yeah. So I did not I did not take offense. But I was a really smart kid, so what would you expect? Yeah, you were kind of advanced, <laughs> if you know what I mean. That's from Illusion to a Ra yes, yes, a little <laughs> allusion to a Randy Newman song. All right, but anyway, so uh, so yes, um, I bought the single. It was my first Randy Newman purchase, and uh, um, flip side, Old Man on the Farm, which I didn't listen to much. I'll be honest, um, wasn't that smart. Um, but uh, but yes, I really really like this song. So I mentioned back at the beginning of the episode, Ziggy Stardust and five years. And now upon further reflection, you know, we were kind of talking about dramatic monologue and how sometimes it can be hard to find in pop music. Right. But Ziggy Stardust as a concept album is all dramatic monologue. Each song is told from a different perspective and it's all firmly within the heads of these characters. Good point. And, and Ziggy is what year? 70... 72. 72. All right. So, and do the songs, um, although they're from individual, and here, I, I, I know the album, I listen to the album all the time, but I'm not sure yeah. I, I, I know I would be able to identify individual characters. But um, are they, because with the, the full dramatic monologue, something that like uh, Little Criminals is going to be, the, uh, the actual yeah. song, um, you have a speaker but then you also have a very specific setting and a very specific addressee does that does ziggy hold up in those things too not all the time okay well like the song five years for example is narrated by this nondescript person who is on earth witnessing for example, the, the chaos that is happening worldwide after, after the discovery that they only have five years left. He's thinking about specific people in his life. He's describing the ways that people are reacting to the news. And that sort of forms the setting of the rest of the album. But other than that, there are no allusions or references to specific place and time. Gotcha. But you've got okay. like Moon Age Daydream, I think, is narrated by Ziggy himself. Starman 
is narrated by another person, earth dweller, if you will. Things that he's seeing, these things that he's hearing, maybe some messages that he's starting to put together. And like l- later in the album, I think Ziggy as a character becomes more prominent. Star and Hang On To Yourself, I think, are, are Ziggy's songs. And then Ziggy Stardust, most notably, is from the perspective of the spiders from Mars, of the, the members of his band. Gotcha. And like rock and roll suicide, I think is Ziggy, but there's no, like, we don't get a lot of tangible setting. Right, right. There are these characters that were being shown and their mindsets that are depicted in the lyrics, but that's as concrete as we get. Excellent. Okay. All right. See, I did not really know any of that. I always assumed, so (laughs) I always assumed that five (laughs) years was, that was how long... Ziggy had. Oh, I'm not going to go go there. Again. I'm not going to express my ignorance. But uh, there you go. Um, no, I was. We'll I, discuss I, I that would, when we do a whole <laughs> season on Ziggy Stardust, <laughs> which we absolutely could. Yeah, I was assumed. So is is I was assumed Ziggy five years was how long Ziggy had on Earth, right? That he was sent down. He was kind of going to do this thing, but he only had five years. News guy wept and told us Earth was really dying. Ah, there you go. He All cried right. so hard, his face was wet, and then I knew he was not lying. <laughs> there you go. See, all I have to do is listen to the beginning of songs. <laughs> so uh, there you go. But And, you know, you got a girl my age went off her head, hit some tiny children. Like, it's this. Uh, right. I, it was cold okay. and it rained. It felt like an actor. And I thought of Ma, and I wanted to get back there. And, Reacting. you know, my, my brain hurt like a warehouse. It had no room to spare. I had to cram so many things to store everything in there trying to recollect as many mundane little pieces of life, the smallest details that he can think of because like stockpiling those things, the way people might stockpile food and supplies for the end of the world, because he knows he's not going to have them much longer. All right, cool. Very good. Yes. All right. So I now have a whole new appreciation. Um, Cause I, I, I hear those phrases that you just quoted and I, you know, you can, you can hear Bowie singing them. Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. In that, in that Bowie-esque way. Um, and so now, okay, so there we go. I've been mis, mis, mis reading, if you will, that album, but I, uh, you know, I, I like it so much that I don't have to follow the narrative if you will and i've never understood yeah the and i don't know how many so. people do and i didn't pick up on all of the nuances that i've just enumerated on first listen or on 500th listen right. like it's it's i i read things about it and i read other people's i'm i'm synthesizing my own perceptions and the perceptions of others that i've read and heard as well uh but it's i it's such a beloved album that I, I don't think everyone is analyzing it at that same level or even right. really cares to think about any larger implications that it may or may not have. It's a very good sounding album. Exactly. <laughs> the production exactly. Each is of the, yeah. completely yeah. unique. Yeah. Yes. So. Uh, um, and it's, I mean, when I've been listening to it recently, it's, you know, you hear it lauded, you see it accorded all of this praise, afforded all of this status. And then, at least in my experience, I listen to it, and it's even better than I remember. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. So, and I don't know, I don't know how much Bowie 
Newman was listening to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And of course he had, Bowie had undergone multiple transformations by the time of little criminals, (laughs) even, even five years later, there you go. He had five years (laughs) subsequently after that. But I, I, I mean, the, dramatic monologues that Bowie and Newman engage in as songwriters are drastically different, but, uh, you know, the orchestrational choices that they make, the the musical choices that they make to reinforce those narratives and those perspectives, drastically different, but effective all the same. Right. And And moving in different ways. Right. And just the idea that, um, Music can say something important, can and can do it in a sophisticated um, yet enjoyable way. I, you know, I so I would probably uh, kind of put um, not so much little criminals next to Ziggy Stardust, but um, good old boys would seem mm-hmm. to be a, a you know kind of a a more apples to apples kind of thing. Where okay, I'm going to inhabit this world over the course of this album and create, create this, this world sonically and lyrically and uh, go from there. Yeah. And I think, I mean, those albums were only two years apart. Good old boys was 74. So many great albums came out in that period because there was so much, there were so many external stimuli to respond to. Yes. There was so much fodder, for songwriting, both on kind of an intimate, elemental, personal level and on a, a wide scale societal level. There was a huge the kind of Earth Day had started in seven, 1970. So there was a huge environmentalism movement going on as well. And so the idea of five years, the idea of the Earth having an expiration date, having a time limit. I mean, he, he was putting a more apocalyptic, you know, space opera spin on it. But right. that, but he was taking the seed, if you will, of the idea that was already there. Right, and Newman would be would write "Burn On" right for uh, "Sail Away" about mm. the uh, you know, yeah, the river. which was the same year. Yeah, yeah. So, and actually, Dayton, Ohio, nineteen oh three is is in many ways a a uh, an environmental song as well. Um, mm-hmm. kind of looking back to this this time when it was simple, but it was before. Why Dayton, 1903? That's the, you know, the Wright brothers and air travel and all of that. So it's, it's ah. things were going to change right after that. And all of a sudden, the, the, the green, quiet uh, Dayton, Ohio is no longer going to be like that anymore. So mm. um, it, it makes its point in a d- very different way than... Uh, uh, burn on but still um, questioning how we use natural resources yeah and we'll see later in little criminals the appearance of nature metaphors or not even metaphors things just to be found in nature that accentuate they're not the star of the show they're not the things that he's focusing on necessarily but you know we'll hear i'm looking at the river but i'm thinking of the sea and yes. it will accentuate the things that he is writing about and the things that he is, the, the subject, the things that he has specifically named as his subject. Correct. Uh, and then my final comment is that Brian Wilson is famously a tall guy and you don't hear him <laughs> writing songs like this. 
Well, that's because he's too nice. Number one, he's too nice. Number two, he's not writing the lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. But he's not getting Tony Asher or even Mike Love to write lyrics like this. Yeah, he, you know, and Mike would object anyway. You know, he'd he'd say, "Hey, hey, hey, what's this? Hang on to your ego stuff. What's this short people stuff? No need to, uh, no need to offend the uh, shorter members of our audience." Yeah, no need to antagonize people. Right. And that's not what they them. come to. Although, the, that's, not know, what the, that's not what they come to the beach for, to the Beach Boys for. Although you know, if they're gonna buy our records and burn them, at least they're still buying them. <laughs> Any final comments on your end? No, not at all. Just, uh, hey, until next week, everybody, this is Gil. And this is Cecilia. Tune in next week for You Can't Fool the Fat Man, a song that we're very excited to discuss. Yes, you you can't. So, But, uh, but we can enjoy it. Bye-bye, yes. everybody. Yes, we can. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Pod Sounds. We're glad you're here. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. You can find us on Insta at pod underscore sounds underscore podcast. You can find me at CM Giglio, and you can find Gil at CT Halfwit. I've been your co-host and producer, Cecilia Gelati. See you soon.